Good evening, everyone. It's lovely to see you all tonight. Thanks for the privilege of preaching and just sharing God's word. It's just been amazing, the worship. We found Jesus in worship, and we find him in the word. And having this word in our lives is just key for finding Jesus, and he's in his word tonight. And may you all see him tonight and not me, see him in the word. And, yeah, I have the privilege of sharing out of John 7, and I've entitled my message, Jesus, Our Living Water. So if we can turn to John 7, verse 37. Let me find it. Where's my bookmark? John seven thirty-seven. Where is it? <laughs> there it is. On the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds. I'm not going to really shout like he did. Anyone who is thirsty, may he come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink, for the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. How lovely is that? Rivers and water. (laughs) The context of the scripture is um, Jesus actually spoke these words on the final day of a festival that they had back in those days, where for seven days a priest would draw water from the pool of Siloam And they would bring it into the temple in a bowl and put it beside the altar. These were acts of thanksgiving for the rain that the land was getting and for water for their bodies, just the provisions of God. And so while the people were seeing their um, bodily needs fulfilled and thanking God for their bodily needs, Jesus actually saw beyond the body and actually saw into their souls and saw the deep need that people have. For their souls, and he knew how he would supply it. I'm amazed by that. And um, from the scripture, I want to draw a few points. And point one is Jesus sees the need of our soul. Will we see our need? And if we look back at the scripture, he says, If anyone is thirsty, he's actually asking, Are you thirsty? Do you see the need in your soul? And I know. If I look at my soul, I see the need almost every day because <laughs> I can dry up. And how do I dry up? I think the wrong things. I say the wrong things. The temptations of the world creep in. We so easily dry up. And Jesus knows this. So he sees the need of our soul. Will we see the need for Jesus tonight in our souls? This leads me to point two. So Jesus is the need for our soul. And point two, Jesus is the ultimate source for our soul. He is our living water. Let's look at the scripture again. And it says, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me will flow. Streams will flow. Not me, Jesus. (laughs) That's what Jesus is shouting. Whoever believes in me, streams will flow. And so, to me, when reading this, there is no grounds for us as believers to claim for ourselves some other inner personal source of spiritual power other than our relationship with Jesus. We have no other grounds to claim any power or source other than our relationship with Jesus. He is our living water. He wants to flow in our lives. This leads me to point three. If he is our only source... 
We, point three, come to Jesus and drink. Yeah. So here's our source. What do we do? We come and we drink. And drinking is actually simple. If I'm thirsty, I go to the tap and I drink. <laughs> Jesus wants it to be that simple for us. Go to him and drink. How do we drink? I'm glad you asked the question. As Russ always says, glad you asked the question. <laughs> I've made up some little sayings that God has really been speaking to me on and really challenging me with. So I haven't made it, I haven't got there yet, but I'm really challenged by these little sayings. And the first saying is, dwell before you do. The second saying is, worship before you work. The third saying is, pray before you people. So these are ways in which we can drink from God. Dwelling, worshiping, and praying. Um, All the other things are really good. Doing good works, working for him, and being with people. All very good. All the things he wants us to do. But if we we put those things in our lives before, our dwelling and our worshipping and our praying with Jesus, we're going to dry up. And I don't always get these right, so I know I dry up. (laughs) But more and more I'm saying, God, I want to get these right in my life so I can be just, um, yeah, a wellspring of your life. So I pray for all of us tonight that we will truly learn to dwell. And this is a daily thing because if we drink water daily, God actually wants us to do these things daily. Dwell, worship, pray. Sometimes I don't want to pray. (laughs) I've got a little testimony just about praying and how fulfilling it is. The other day I didn't have anything to do and I thought, oh, I've got nothing to do, no work. God led me to go on a prayer walk. And I prayed up a storm. You know, I came back feeling so full and overflowing. I actually felt the privilege it is to pray and just how fulfilling it is. So I had nothing to do, (laughs) no work to go to, but I actually had work that day. I'd prayed and it was so fulfilling. Not only for me, it was just, yeah, it was very fulfilling. (laughs) And so now that we have drunk from him in these ways, God wants us to ooze him, which leads me to point four. And point four, Jesus' living water flows. So it's not a stagnant pool. Jesus is a flowing river. And most of you have heard of the Dead Sea. It's dead because it has water coming into it, but no water going out of it. And on the other hand, the Red Sea has water um, going in it and water flowing out of it. And that's a real picture of what God has for us. He wants us to receive from him, but we mustn't keep it all to ourselves. He wants us to ooze him and um, just spread his life to others. We are more alive and refreshed when we have received, but not only received, it's when we give. And as you all know, it's more blessed, we are more blessed when we give than when we receive. <laughs> and so, I'd act, what is the time? I'm nearly done. I'd like to end by reading the scripture in Revelations. If you'll turn to Revelations 22, verse 17. 
And it says, The Spirit and the Bride say, Come. Let anyone who hears this say, Come. Let anyone who is thirsty come. Let anyone who desires drink freely from the water of life. I'm actually amazed that this is in the last page of the Bible. It just means God wants us to come to him all the time. If he's living water and our bodies need that water every day, so do our souls. And here it is, and Jesus is saying, come. So every day, come to Jesus and be filled with him. Let his life bubble up inside of you and flow out of you. We've all got stuff to do in this world, but he wants us to, yeah, put him first. And enjoy drinking and receiving from him. (laughs) It truly is life-changing and (laughs) day-changing. So drink from him. Let's just, uh, let's end this. I just want to ask Jen just to pray for us. Let's receive right now. Let's uh, just close our eyes and just, just drink. Let God fill you right now with that living water as Jen prays. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Just flow over us, love, living water. How amazing it is in the physical to stand under a waterfall or jump in the ocean and and swim in a swimming pool, just that refreshing that we feel after a hot day, or how wonderful it is to go to the tap when we are thirsty and take a drink, how even more wonderful it is to come to you, Jesus, and be filled by you in this dry and thirsty land all around us where we are consumed by all sorts of things and we get dried up so easily. I know for myself, I dry up so quickly. I need you every day, Jesus. It's as simple as coming before you and saying, God, I want to spend time with you, seek you, pray and worship you, Lord. May we do that. May we put these things daily in our lives like we would drink water daily. May we come to you daily and be changed. And you do change us from the inside out to the point that we are overflowing and want to ooze you to the world because there's a world waiting out there to hear your name. But let us come before you first, before we do anything, be filled with you. So Holy Spirit, just come and let your living water flow over all of us. Touch us and change us and use us for your glory, Lord. Amen. 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 Thanks, babe. Wonderful. Jacques, come on up. Let's welcome Jacques as he comes up. Jacques is going to be sharing on chapter 8 of John. He's got a whole notebook full. (laughs) What's up? Um, So so I got um, given uh, John 8. Um, and uh, that's uh, the woman caught in adultery. Um, this is actually uh, um, a verse of the Bible that's been quoted in a lot of my favorite rap songs. So, <laughs> um, <clears throat> so uh, anyway, so the title of my message is um, <clears throat> Jesus, uh, the Defender of the Weak. Um, yeah, so this is something that's actually really close to my heart. Um, and uh, uh, leading up to this, I actually got given a book um, 
by Jason, and I actually want to publicly honor him for, for giving me that book, and it's titled Generous Justice um, by Timothy Keller. Wow. So in, incredible how the Holy Spirit works like that, um, and just sharing on, yeah, just on, on this portion of Scripture. Um, so if you don't mind turning to uh, John 8 um, with me, um, and I'll read it uh, with you guys. They went each to his own house, um, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning, he came again to the temple. All the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. The scribes and the Pharisees um, brought a woman who had been caught in adultery, and placing her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. So what do you say? This they said to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more he bent down and wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones, and Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go, and now, um, from now on, sin no more. So <clears throat> I've been given, yeah, just that portion, um, Jesus, Defender of the Week. And so I, def- I decided to kind of break it up um, in terms of the week and then Jesus, the Defender. Um, so now in this portion of Scripture, we clearly see that the woman um, is depicted to be the person that's weak here. Um, and so how do we see in the scripture that she is weak? Um, let me, <clears throat> so, uh, firstly, the, the, the Pharisees, which can be considered as the opposition, um, these were people that seemed to be pretty aggressive. I mean, we can see from scripture over here, it says the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery and placing her in the midst, they said to him, teacher this woman and so on so for me i get this picture of like literally picking up an object and going placing her over there that seems like pretty aggressive to me not going hey listen you've been caught in adultery come and like chat to jesus and see if you can sort your sin out it's pretty aggressive um and so then the the other thing that indicates to me that she might be in quite a vulnerable position is some translations uh say that she was taken in the act of adultery. So it's like, it seems pretty awkward to me. Like she might have been committing adultery and it's like, hey, you're committing adultery. Like, (laughs) so I find, yeah, I find that like she might be quite vulnerable in that position. Um, So we can clearly see that she's vulnerable, she's weak, she's in a pretty awkward position. Um, uh, Also, she's a woman and so she would have been naturally frowned on in those times. Um, so now we get to, to the, po- the portion of Scripture that, that I love the most. Um, and this is Jesus and his response. Jesus is a, a sort of depicted as a defender in, in this portion of Scripture. Um, and when I think of the term defender, I think of someone that's strong, someone that's like resolute. I actually think of the Chelsea 0405 squad that only conceded nine goals the whole season um, playing away. So, you know, that's the best example that comes to my mind. That being said, they won the Premier League that season as well and finished top four in the champs. I mean, that's a pretty good defense. Um, <clears throat> but that's okay. I mean, we still won a Prem, so 
Um, so anyway, going back to Jesus being the defender, um, uh, back to the point, back to the point. Um, uh, sorry, I, I shouldn't touch on this earlier. Another thing that's like questionable about the woman's position is normally when there's adultery, there's two parties, and she was the only person that was brought there. And so that makes me think, this is pretty sus, you know. Um, <clears throat> anyway, uh, I'll go to this portion over here. Um, uh, this they said to test him that they might have some charge to bring against him. Um, Jesus bent down. Uh, I think I am in the wrong portion here. Wait. Ah, anyway. Um, <clears throat> I also said, um, so over here in this portion of Scripture, I actually haven't written it down. It's pretty weird. Um, I've written it in my notes. Um, uh, it's written, um, and as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, um, <clears throat> what, what, like really stands out for me here is that there was quite a like relentless bit of questioning. It wasn't just, you know, hey, what about this? It was like an ongoing thing. And and that shows me just that, you know, um, the Pharisees were pretty aggressive. Um, <clears throat> so Jesus, um, now the part about being a defender is Jesus stands up. And when someone stands up, you know, they take a quite a commanding stand. Um, and so... Um, I don't necessarily think Jesus standing up was something of anger or retaliation. I don't think it was a thing where he was like, hey, you've offended me. I'm going to stand up and shout at you. I think it was more Jesus knows the truth um, and he knows what he stands for. And so he gets up to teach. Um, <clears throat> so standing up, he's he's commanding. He's not weak. Um, and we see another example of this in, in Mark 10, verse 13 to 14, if you don't mind turning there. Um, Um, and they were bringing children to him that he might touch them and the disciples rebuked them but when Jesus saw it he was indignant and said to them let the children come to me do not hinder them for such belongs the kingdom of God truly I say to you whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it and he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. <clears throat> we see another example of, uh, you know, um, just Jesus and, and defending things that are, you know, right and the truth. Um, it says Jesus was indignant um, and he, you know, proceeded to speak to them. Um, the word indignant for me makes it seem like there's something brewing up, you know, like he might be angry. There's, you know, he's defending the truth. Um, and so... Um, what I've written in my, my notes here is, is that Jesus does not yield to injustice. Um, he doesn't take a back, back seat, you know. Um, but I also think that we can't be angered or annoyed by something if we lack conviction. Um, <clears throat> so this brings me to what is our responsibility? Um, and my main two points is, firstly, Jesus knows the truth, so he knows what's he, what he's defending. Um, <clears throat> So the reason why I say that is it's so important for us to know the truth because people who think that pineapple does not go on pizza, they have a conviction too, and they're willing to defend that. So I think it's really crucial for us to have a conviction about what, what we're defending and what the truth really is. Um, <clears throat> also, Jesus has a deep care for the vulnerable um, and the weak. And I think 
it's it's so disappointing for us to see people struggling every single day and we do absolutely nothing about it um <clears throat> uh i'd just like to sort of end with um this point uh john piper writes that the most remarkable uh, most remarkable point of the story is that Jesus exalts himself above the law of Moses, changes its appointed punishment, um, and reestablishes righteousness on the foundation of grace. And that's what we stand on right now. Like, that's incredible. And, like, I think it's not something that we should overlook. Um, anyway, thank you guys for, for listening. Thank you for the opportunity. Can you pray for us? Yeah, yeah, of course. Let's just, uh, let's just get Jacques just to pray for us again. And uh, just maybe for a heart for for the downtrodden and the yeah, weak. Yeah. I think God's stirring that, you know, just to see from the Lord. <clears throat> Thank you, Lord, just um, that you have such a heart of love for us, yes. Father God, that you have a heart that cares for people. Lord Jesus, you have a heart um, that cares for the lost. And I just pray, Lord, that we'll care for the lost too, Father God. I pray that we... Um, we'll just open our homes, open our hearts to people, Father God, and just be a, a support and a pillar to them, Father God, that we'll notice needs in the community and, and um, yeah, just provide for those needs, Father God, that we'll be genuine to people around us, that we'll actually care for people, Father God, that we'll have our hearts transformed by you um, just to care for the community more, Father. I thank you for that. I thank you for all that you've blessed us with, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thanks, guys. Well done, mate. Very good job. Well done. Last but not least, Shane, come on up. Let's welcome him as he comes up. No, he's taking his time. Let's welcome him again. <laughs> he's handing out gifts by the looks of it. This is going to be a good one, I can tell. Thank you, guys. My man. <laughs> <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> um, anyway, I'm, I'm preaching from John 9. Um, so the topic is uh, Jesus is the light of the world. Um, uh, so I'll, if we could turn to John chapter 9. Uh, I'm, I'm reading from New King James, so just, it might be different to what comes up there. Jesus' vision. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> if you haven't got one. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. <laughs> now, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. Well, um, yeah, um, it's an interesting one because uh, uh, we see uh, that uh, Jesus is walking by with his disciples and he sees this man that is blind. And uh, as he sees them, the disciples asked, they said, who sinned, the parents or him? Who is it? Why? Because the Jews believed that uh, if, you, if you were born blind, you were cursed. The Jews uh, sort of had this understanding that uh, because so, the Jewish culture was different to the pagan culture. The pagan culture, you gotta, if you were elite or um, from aristocracy, you would have, uh, only they were the ones who were supposed to be, uh, uh, who were learned. But Jesus was, di- uh, but the Jewish culture was different. Everyone was supposed to 
know how to read and write so they could read the Torah and the Tanakh. So if you were born blind, you were supposed to be somebody who was cursed by God because you could not read the Torah. So, so yeah, so, so Jesus' uh, disciples asked him, and Jesus said, no. The reason this guy is blind is because God has got works for me. He sent me, and the works that he's prepared for me is going to be fulfilled through this guy. So, so, so um, yeah, it's uh, interesting because uh, the Jews, Jews were always waiting for the Messiah, as Rust preached uh, in the morning today. And while the Jews were waiting for the Messiah, they knew when the Messiah comes, he will do a lot of signs and miracles. But there was four miracles that was exclusive only to Jesus. And those four were no one else could do. This would have identified who the Messiah was. And the first one was somebody, uh, leprosy. That when the Messiah comes, he'll be able to heal leprosy. Because no one else, no way in Israel was it known that leprosy was healed. Apart from the fact Naman was healed, but he was a Gentile with Elisha. Elisha. Um, and the second one was um, somebody who was mute, and he would uh, be possessed, demon-possessed. Because uh, the rabbis used to cast out demons out of people uh, if they only, only if they knew the name of the demon. And since they did not know the name of the demon, this... Well, this was exclusive to the Messiah. When the Messiah was come, he would be able to do this. The third one would be somebody who was born blind, as we, I said earlier, that they were cursed. So only the Messiah could do that. And the fourth one was, uh, the fourth and the final miracle that was only exclusive to the Messiah was um, somebody who was dead for four days. Because the rabbis taught that when a spirit leaves your body, it lingers around your body for three days maximum. After that, on the fourth day, only the Messiah could do that. And interestingly, when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, they went out of the way to kill Lazarus. <laughs> they wanted to kill him, the scripture tells us. Anyway, so what, what Jesus does is, Jesus is there. If you read in John chapter 10, verse 21, 22, you, you see Jesus is there for the festival of lights. He's there. And, uh, and Jesus takes this opportunity, uh, like Jen preached in the, during the festival of the water, I think, he takes the, uh, this, um, this feast that they were celebrating, and, and, and he says, I am the light of the world. He says, I am the light of the world. And, and interestingly, what, have, what, what the Festival of Light was, uh, it was the rededication of the temple. It was called the Festival of the Rededication. What happened was uh, around 164 BC, there was a guy by the name of Antiochus Epiphanes. What he did was uh, he... Uh, he sort of kind of, they were ruling over Israel at that time, the Seleucid kingdom. And what, he, what Antiochus did was uh, he, he sort of kind of gave the Jews a lot of hard time and he wouldn't let them sort of kind of worship God. And uh, he went into the temple, he slaughtered a pig uh, and, uh, and put up a, um, a statue of Zeus and, and, and he defiled the temple. And, uh, and, and then at that time, they were, the altar and the temple. And at that time, there was a high priest and his five sons, the Maccabees, they sort of kind of drove these, these Seleucids out, and so they wanted to rededicate the temple. So this was the rededication. So apparently a miracle took place during this time because God had, honored, had uh, sort of kind of ordered the Jews um, in, with Moses' time during the time uh, to have uh, the menorah, which is, uh, I've brought the menorah here. <laughs> I'll show you what the menorah is.
is to be in the sacred temple. That's why it's falling apart. <laughs> anyway, this is what a menorah is. So they were supposed to li- light this. Uh, so, so when they were uh, when they were trying to light light this temple, a miracle took place. Uh, this is a seven uh, branch menorah. Normally, it's a nine branch menorah with which what Jews celebrate this festival, which they call Hanukkah. Uh, and uh, and what happens is uh, they they light it and. Uh, if you read in the Old Testament, it says that uh, the oil had to be untainted. It had to be pure oil. So they had oil only, which was, um, that could last only for one day. So, so what they did was uh, uh, they lit it, and a miracle took place. It, it was lit for eight days until they could make proper oil. And so, so what Jesus does is, so, so that happened uh, 164 B.C. before Jesus Christ happened. And then when Jesus came, so Jesus sort of kind of acknowledges this feast. He's there, and he takes this opportunity, and he says, "I am." And 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 so Jesus came to do the work of the Father, and the work of the Father was to reveal to the people that He is the Messiah of the world. But He says, "Listen, the only way you can do this is if it's light." And He is saying that I am the light of the world, and 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 we. As Christians, we are the light of the world, aren't we? The word of God says so. Matthew chapter 5 says that a city on a hill cannot be hidden. You don't light a lamp, put it under a basket. And he said, let your works so shine before men that they will see your good works and give glory to the Father in heaven. And, it's the, and the works, here's the thing, what works? This is my question to each and every one. You see, Jesus came to do the works of the Father. The, the works that uh, that we do has to be the works that God has prepared in advance for us. Ephesians two ten tells us we are work we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which He created in advance. So, so yeah, so so that so we're called to do. And Corinthians tells us that the works that we do. If we don't do it, if it's not in God, it will be tested by fire. So you're just wasting your time if you're not doing it. Find out what the works that God has for you and do that. That's what I'm saying. So that leads me to my last uh, point, and that is, how do we do it? How do we do it? So I just want to quickly show you. So this is how the menorah looks. This is the the main branch and the six branches there. The main branch is called the shamash. This is how they light the menorah. The main, they light this first, and with this, they light all the other ones. And the, the word shamash means the servant light. You want to serve God? You want to do the works of God? It has to be done in humility. Jesus is the perfect example. He was very humble. He came in humility, and he did that. And... Uh, I got a few more minutes, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but here's the thing: see, if you see in the book of Revelation, it uh, John is uh, given the vision of the candlesticks. It's a mirror of this. It's a mirror of the menorah. It's also the seven feasts. The first feast, which was uh, Passover. Did you know that uh, Jesus died on Passover exactly on the day, 14th of Aviv? Jesus died on the Passover. He fulfilled that feast. Second feast, unleavened bread. 
Jesus was the unleavened bread. Leaven symbolized sin. He went. He was buried in the ground. Three days later is the feast of first fruit. First fruit came out of the ground. Jesus was raised from the dead. Fifty days later is what the Jews call Shavuot. The feast of Shavuot, which is Pentecost. It's interesting. The apostles, they were with Jesus. When did the ministry come into power? On the day of Pentecost, when the light came from above. You got the baptism of fire. So how do we do it? We can't do it unless we are filled with the Spirit of God. Only by the power of the Holy Spirit you can do it. You can't do it. Or else, you know. Just a... yeah, I, I just want to quickly, if, if, if you read the whole, whole of John chapter 9, the guys, like, really, the Jews went out of their way to prove all this for. Like, this was the guy whose eyes was uh, opened. And, and, the, and the Jews, like, called his parents and said, was this guy really blind? Was he born blind? You sure about that? You know, that kind of, they were trying to prove God. And I'm, I'm just going to read one last verse and I'll finish off. And that is from John chapter 9. From verse uh, 35, 35 to 41, last few verses. <laughs> Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And when he had found him, he said to him, first point, when he had found him, you did not find Jesus, Jesus found you. Do you believe in the Son of God? He answered and said, who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, you have both seen him, and it is he who is talking to you. Then he said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Oh. He worshipped him? Well, think about that one, huh? All right. And Jesus said, For judgment I have come into this world, that those who do not see may see, and that those who, do, who see may be made blind. Then some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these words and said to him, Are we blind also? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you say we see, therefore your sins remain. Interesting. See, when the light of God, Jesus is the light, he said, I am the light. When the light comes, it will reveal who you really are. See, see, the, if you are sinning un, unwillingly, it invokes the mercy of God. Willing sin invokes the judgment of God, it says there. Thank you. Let's just get uh, Shane just to pray for us. One of the things about Shane is that he has an incredible uh, love for the lost and just an anointing to just speak to people about Jesus. He's doing it all the time. This, he's the light. The light is shining from him, you know. He's not the light. Jesus is the light. But you know what I mean? He's shining for the Lord. And let's, I, I just want you to pray that that light would shine in our lives as well. Eh? Father, we thank you, Father, that you are the light. But you have also said that we are the light, Father Lord. And you're sending us out, Father Lord. Lord, I pray, Father Lord, that we will be the perfect light for you, Father Lord. We will just glow in this dark world, Father Lord. And like, Father, we heard today, Father Lord, we can't do it without your spirit, Father Lord. So we pray for your power, Father Lord. The power of your spirit, Father Lord. To light within our hearts, Father Lord, that we may be the light in this dark world, Father Lord. We thank you, Father. We thank you for your love. We thank you that you're such a good God, Father Lord. That you love us, Father Lord. And you've just embraced us, Father Lord, with your light, Father Lord. Father Lord, just open 
Those in these dark places, Father Lord, and shine your light, Father Lord. We thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Wonderful. Well done. Well done to all three. You guys did a fantastic job.